Jared, you're such an inspiration. You've shown everybody that if you are born rich and marry my daughter, you can do anything you want. <laughs> I have a seat at your new desk, and I'd like you to, uh, just to fix everything, okay? If you need me, I'll be over here at my desk, okay? <laughs> I know you don't like talking, but why don't you take it away, shall we? God, you're such a cute little twink. And live from New York, it's Saturday! Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing Season 42, Episode 18 of Saturday Night Live with host Jimmy Fallon and musical guest Harry Styles. I'm John Murray, and I'm joined this week by Steve Finn, as well as our very special guest, Eric Schwartz. Eric is a comedian and musician who's known for his innovative stand-up, sketches, and parody music videos. He's been featured on The Tonight Show and Comics Unleashed, as well as his one-hour special, Surrender to the Blender, which is available on Hulu. Eric is performing shows in California and Texas throughout May as part of his Gringo de Mayo comedy tour. You can connect with Eric at ericschwartzlive.com. And you can connect with us at snlafterparty.fm. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. These reviews help us to get the word out, and they're greatly appreciated. All right, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy. So, I think this is going to be a fun one tonight. We're going to be joined momentarily by LA-based comedian extraordinaire Eric Schwartz, who many of our West Coast listeners might know from The Laugh Factory. He's perfected a really fun brand of musically rich sort of performance-based stand-up, and so we're really excited to be able to do the episode rundown with him and get his unique perspective on this week's SNL. We're also going to talk a little bit about his path to comedy and hopefully have a little bit of fun. But before we get into that, Steve and I are going to run through some feedback. So, Meme Sustential chimed in about the spicy sketch and they said for the most part this was the only sketch that was being taped live from somewhere other than new york which is why there weren't any other cast members appearing in that sketch i think that's probably worth bringing out because i don't think a lot of people would have realized that when you were watching the show did you realize that 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 wasn't happening in-house not so much that but i did notice that there wasn't any cast members interacting with her usually they have some uh some news reporters right. asking questions and stuff, but this was more just a straight monologue from Melissa McCarthy, a Spicer. Yeah. So that actually explains that this is news to me. So that's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. The way I understand it, she did perform it twice. Like she was being piped in live for the dress rehearsal. And then she did a different performance, like a fine tuned performance for the live show. So it might as well have been in-house because it had, you know, all the qualities of being performed in the moment. So this wasn't like a pre-tape thing or something they, you know, had on the shelf a week ago or something, but yeah, I guess maybe, you know, a soundstage in LA or some, some place where they could set up quickly and, and pipe that in. That's how that was done. I, I don't think it really hurt the sketch. I don't think that the bit really required anyone else to be in the mix. Uh, so I enjoyed it. I don't think it was the strongest outing for spicy, but I think it, it, it was seamless, right? Like it didn't occur to me, uh, that that wasn't something that could have been happening in 8H. So yeah. Interesting. Very yeah, Pretty in Pink uh, has asked, based on how many sketches Harry Styles was in, is it safe to say that they might invite him to actually host in the future? He is in the new Christopher Nolan movie and is already transitioning into acting. So what do we think of that? 
uh, Harry Styles, triple threat host musical performer, a la Timberlake. Do we think that this is his trajectory with the show? Yeah. After seeing what he can do, I mean, it makes more sense to me than some of the other decisions they've made about musicians hosting. Not to say that she didn't do a good job, but Ariana Grande was a really big surprise, Mm -hmm. for example. So the fact that we've seen, you know, we've gotten a glimpse into what uh, Harry Styles could bring to the show as a performer. Yeah. I'd say it's just a matter of time for sure. Yeah. Now the parts that he was in, they didn't showcase any like great sketch performance ability. His Mick Jagger was fun and over the top and he, you know, he was willing to, to have fun with it, but it's not like it was a spot on impression or anything. Like, I don't, I don't know if we've seen anything that says that he could really carry a whole show yet, but we certainly haven't seen anything that would disqualify him. So he's really a wild card, right? As his career picks up, if he is able to actually show some gravitas with his movie roles and really kind of like build a, a name for himself as a, as a legit triple threat, then yeah, the, the show would be silly not to have him on because he's a big draw and we're assuming he's going to be popular for a while. So yeah, I could see that happening. I, I don't think it's a, a given at this point, but I think his trajectory is really pointing in that direction. Mm. Sharvi I has asked, what are your thoughts on the possibility of the writer's strike happening here shortly and causing the episode to act as a season finale? Did it look like SNL planned around the fact that that might happen? What do you think? If this had to serve as the finale, did it do the job? Uh, you know, it's tough to say. They didn't give Bobby a whole lot to do. Right. And if this does end up being the last episode of the season, and uh, we have many reasons to believe this is Bobby's last season. Right. uh, That means they didn't really give him an appropriate send off. That's true. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, they are just going ahead with the assumption that they're going to have more episodes because they, they definitely owe Bobby a better send off than barely having him in the episode. Yep. Yeah. I think until there's something concrete, I don't think the show is intentionally trying to like cover their butts. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that they were thinking, you know what, let's make this one extra special. Cause it might be the finale. I think they were saying, let's make this one extra special just cause it's the first time the show is going live coast to coast. And we've got Jimmy Fallon and, you know, let's just try and put on the best show we're capable of. I think they try to do that pretty much every week. I mean, <laughs> there are times when you can tell that they have a little more low key show, but for the most part, I think they had enough reasons to make this show big that I don't think part of their thinking was, Oh, this could be the last one. We better, you know, we better uh, swing for the fences. That said, if it does turn out that it is the last one, it wasn't a bad episode. It was a lot of fun. It was, you know, goofy and charming. And it certainly, it, it's not the best bookend that season 42 could have, but it would service that if, if absolutely necessary. But of course we, we all hope that that isn't the case. So we'll find out in a few weeks. Okay. So let's bring up our guest, Eric. It's great to have you on. Great to be here, but actually not there here. Yes. I'm here at home. <laughs> Through the magic of the intertubes, we're able to, to have you up to talk a little bit about uh, the Jimmy Fallon episode. But before we get into that, how's your tour going? It's going awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm on a little, little bit of a break before I go out to Denver and uh, Colorado Springs this week. And then May is going to be insane. So, you know, just doing a little R&R, catching up on my SNL and making a lot of acronym statements <laughs> <laughs> fyi now uh last night was the first time that they broadcast live in the pacific time zone so were you able to catch it live or was that a big deal like did that actually mean anything down there on the coast like did it was this an event for people or was it just kind of like a meh it's just tv 
it's kind of crazy that they waited until like everyone watches on DVR right. to broadcast it live everywhere. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> How did you get into this, this vein of, of sort of musical comedy and, and parody comedy? Cause it's not really the most uh, sort of like conventional path that most aspiring comedians would take. Well, I think it's pretty appropriate that I'm, I'm uh, the guest on this uh, Jimmy Fallon episode because I kind of see what we do, what I do is kind of something that, you know, Jimmy Fallon might uh, mm-hmm. be in his wheelhouse. Um, yep. You know, when I watch his show, I'm like, wow, this is like, it feels like a show I would make. You know, it's like he does a lot of musical stuff. He does a lot of characters. You know, I grew up on SNL as pretty much every comedian that <laughs> you could say that since 1975, I guess. Right. And, you know, so it's, it definitely plays a part in a lot of standups, you know, thinking it's a, it's an influence on us. Right. And so, yeah, I kind of think that I, I just really looked at what I had going on in my life. And I was a DJ since I was 14 years old. And I just, um, loved that kind of uh, feeling of what I did with the crowd, you know, the, the kind of like leading a crowd to do, to do something with music mm-hmm. and it kind of bled into my standup. So, you know how, how Jimmy Fallon says, this is a party at the beginning of this episode. That's kind of like a lot of times what I see my show as, sure. even though there are some things you could maybe take home with you, like uh, some cultural stuff in my show or, you know, some, uh, some good stories or, you know, I think it's all for me, the presentation is one of the most important things. Yeah. Steve and I both had a chance to, kick back and, and ingest a little bit of what we could find of your material online. And I think we're, we're both in agreement that it it's pretty engaging. Like the, the performance kind of stand up seems to have kind of gone by the wayside a little bit in our, in our modern era. So it's nice that, that you're finding something that really kind of stands out from the crowd. I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I was, I've been giggling all morning. I've had it on in the background while I was doing my show notes and, <laughs> and it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, thanks. I think maybe, maybe what, what you're seeing is, uh, you know, this is Trump era comedy. We need to have a little fun sometimes, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think people, people are ready to, to get back to something that's just, uh, a little less cerebral and just a little bit more, <laughs> yeah, just fun, amusing, engaging. It's not, <laughs> it's not heavy. Thanks. It's weird. Cause I get both kinds of feedback when you said not cerebral, I get both. It's weird. I, I don't think that you, you have to be non-cerebral if you're musical. Sure. I, I don't really mean like non-cerebral in that there's nothing thought provoking about what you're doing. Right. It's just fun. It was just really easy to, to enjoy. I guess that's what I was getting at. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's what I, yeah. I want to happen. Yeah. Cool. It's been a fun morning. <laughs> there's a lot of good observations in what you do, Eric. And uh, you're able to like, for example, the whole Justin Timberlake thing, I find you're able to pick up on nuances that might go over a lot of people's heads, but everything that makes up Justin Timberlake is, is so recognizable the way you do it. I wonder if Justin felt a little uh, threatened last night watching Harry Styles do a little character with Jimmy. He was probably a little jealous, yeah. Yeah, he's being groomed as uh, Timberlake's replacement as Jimmy's kind of like <laughs> go-to sidekick. Uh, yeah, uh, well, with that said, uh, are we ready to talk a little bit SNL? Do we want to get into the recap? I just don't want to see that Harry Styles. <laughs> 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 okay, so uh, let's talk a little bit about the cold open. Trump has to choose between Steve Bannon and his little cush ball for top advisor. Did we want more Trump? Was this the, the best way we could kick off Jimmy Fallon's show? I think it's an appropriate way to, to start off. I think what SNL does is they, you know, try to start off with like what everyone's thinking and they often do it with a political sketch. I think people look forward to like tuning in and seeing their take on, uh, on the latest political thing. And especially lately they become, 
<laughs> the voice, the the number one counterculture of Trump. Right. So yeah, I think it was definitely appropriate, especially after the week we had with with Trump. So any opportunity to pick apart the the latest Trump controversy, that's welcome as far as you're concerned. You were ready for more Trump this week. Yeah, we need it. Sure. I believe it's an exercise of in free speech to be able to uh to 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 criticize Trump on SNL. Yeah, the show has not been shying away from skewering <laughs> anything they can latch onto as far as Trump's concerned. Uh what's your hot take, Steve? You know, it's it's been acknowledged in the news that Trump has been kind of subtly distancing himself from Steve Bannon. Right. So this was a clever way of applying recognizable things like The Bachelor to uh to this current event of him pushing out Bannon so to speak. Yep. I also loved how uh, Jimmy Fallon came out as Kushner and basically that impression was, it wasn't really an impression of the person. It was basically an impression of that photograph. <laughs> yeah. Down to the point where he doesn't even say anything, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. It was hilariously two dimensional. I thought it was a cool opportunity for um, Jimmy Fallon because he's, you know, um, notorious for not getting involved with politics. And this didn't really like give him a point of view on the situation mm. or take, take a side. Yeah. But you know, it was it was cool to see him do something in the, in the political space for a minute. Yeah, a lot of the the press was pointing to this episode and saying this is really Fallon's chance to maybe come out a little harder on Trump, like use SNL as a platform to show that he's got some teeth. Because Colbert's kind of like <laughs> inching him out when it's it, not what he does though. Yeah, but he he stuck very close to his wheelhouse, right? Like th- this is Jimmy Fallon being fun and goofy and charming. He's not trying to rock the boat. And the show was definitely an extension of that. Uh, yeah, there was no controversy here. This was the weekend review. It was a fun little skewer of the latest Trump drama and nothing more. Right. No hair tussling. I don't think every comedian needs to be political or like you, you wouldn't want to see Louis C.K. do a, do a song, do a David Bowie. Let's dance. Would you? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, Fallon does what Fallon does, and it doesn't look like he has any intention of changing that anytime soon. My only thought is I had a lot more fun with this one than last week's. Last week's was a little bit heavier for the cold open, whereas this, since we have a uh, reality TV president, so to speak, it was fun that they did the little you know reality TV showdown bit. That was a fun way to exit the Steve Bannon character, and, and I, thought it was, I thought it was great. I thought it was a great way to start the show. Agreed. Yeah. Let's talk about Jimmy Fallon's monologue, which wasn't so much a monologue as it was a party. You know, they are traipsing through the halls of 8-H having uh, a romp set to uh, David Bowie's Let's Dance. I liked the performance, but I didn't know why. So I was watching it kind of going like, what what does this have to do with, okay, so it's just a party. The other thing is that it wasn't funny. Sure. It was awesome. It just wasn't, it didn't have a uh, any kind of joke to it. So I, I didn't really get why it was there other than to you know he's a comedian he's not a musician although he does musical stuff but i didn't i didn't know why steve have you got a hot take on this i have a thought but i'm gonna i'll I'll wait well i was certainly having fun and that's basically the reason why i tune into um the tonight show i'm not always laughing with jimmy fallon but i'm always having fun when i'm watching him Mm -hmm. because you know his uh the enthusiasm he has like like a young boy almost it's it's so infectious sure and watching him jump around in that dance number that was way more elaborate than it had any business being it was hard not to be affected by it obviously we weren't laughing because it was pretty much void of jokes but Mm -hmm. i think for a host like jimmy fallon this is a great way to start the show off 
Yeah, my thought was, yeah, it wasn't funny. It wasn't trying to be funny. And if that was the expectation, then maybe, you know, there's a bit of disappointment there. But I think this was just playing to Jimmy's strengths. He is a very musical performer. His addition for SNL was almost all (laughs) musical bits. So since we know that he does these musical caricatures and he can, he can carry a song like that and he's done musical monologues in the past. I think if there was a host where you would just want to take the comedy out of it so much and just really just make it a celebration. I think he's the host to do it with. I'm not really sure what they were celebrating either, except that they're having a really good season and that they're going live. And so it is kind of a a historical moment for the show, uh, just with the season as a whole and with that particular episode. But I don't know if anyone outside of 30 rock is as excited about them getting on, on air across the country as, as maybe they are there. So I, I don't know. I I had fun with it. I I just liked the song. I liked that they dressed up the hallways. I I liked that they kind of pulled out all the stops for it, but yeah, there was no joke here. Maybe it was a Bon Voyage Bannon party. Maybe <laughs> sure. that's what it was. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it was fun, but th- there's not really a lot there. It, it really is just let's, let's run around and dance and, and just have a fun little bit of spectacle here rather than a joke. Yeah. I wonder how many standby tickets they were able to honor, you know, given that the entire floor seating was taken up by dancers. Sure. Probably not a lot of room for actual fans. I have heard that people that were in standby line as of like they arrived Thursday afternoon, were able to get into the live show. Uh, so I'd be willing to bet they were over 30 because they usually take them up in shifts of 30 into the elevator. So at least, at least that many got through this week, hopefully more. There was a lot of people camping out. So hopefully a lot of them got through, but you guys really get into it. You know the, about the line and everything. Oh yeah. yeah. I've done, <laughs> I've done the line. It's, it's a, it's a hoot. Uh, let's jump into our first live sketch of the night. Celebrity family feud time travel edition. Is there any one impression in particular that stood out to either of you guys is just like, oh yeah, nailed it. You know, that's a moment for this sketch. There's two, the Jimmy Fallon playing both uh, John Travolta when he was younger and when he was present, he's present day. Right. Uh, And he did two versions of John Travolta that were spot on and is amazing how John Travolta has changed over the years. (laughs) Just the way he speaks, uh, not uh, let alone the way he looks. Um, and so I thought that was, they had him changing live and I thought that was number one, a brilliant way to do it. And number two, like a true testament to Jimmy Fallon to nail that. Yep. I mean, he really, he really killed it. And the second one is, uh, Harry Styles as Mick Jagger. He was good. Like he like blew me away. Like I don't really know him except for one direction. And at that moment I was like, wow, this guy is really talented. Not only just as a singer, but as a uh, as an actor, as a little doing a comedy bit. Yep. And I, that definitely reminded me of my boy, Justin. <laughs> He's taking my job. He was definitely, definitely a good sport. And it does, it does make me wonder if, uh, he's going to be kind of like, uh, a, a Fallon support <laughs> player. Yeah. Kind of like, like what Justin's been over the last several years. Cause it does seem like he's a good sport and, uh, uh, he's willing to get a little goofy and I wouldn't say his Mick Jagger was spot on so much as he was just really willing to go over the top with it, which was, which was a lot of fun. Okay. What's, what's your thoughts, Steve, any impressions stand out to you? Definitely Cecily. I actually mm-hmm. forgot. I was watching Cecily <laughs> yeah. up there for a second. It was that accurate yep. to the real Liza Minnelli. She was good. Uh, I wasn't so hot on all of them. You know, Sashir was kind of lukewarm with her Diana Ross. So yeah. Plus Melissa, she was, um, you know, it was accurate, but it was kind of uh, lacking a, a real punch, like a humorous side to it. Sure. Here's the thing with Melissa. Melissa is actually a friend of mine. And 
that impression is one of my favorite impressions that she does of Gwen Stefani. Okay. They only, they only gave her one line. That's the problem. Yeah. She didn't really have that much opportunity, but if you look at a picture of her and then look at her doing Gwen Stefani, she, her face changes. Mm -hmm. It's such an amazing thing to see her do that live. And I've, I've complimented her. I'm like, how do you, how do you get your face (laughs) to be like Gwen's face? And I hope they give her a little bit more opportunity to do that impression. It's really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've been, we've been very vocal oh, yes. <laughs> about wanting to see more from Melissa. Last time they did the the celebrity family feud, she did Lady Gaga and it was the same thing. She was uh, on screen and off screen before you really got to take a bite out of the character. And so, yeah, we're, we're hoping for a lot more from her. I would encourage people to go online and watch her stuff with Mas Mejor, which is the Latino, yep, um, yep. Uh, you know, Mas Mejor. You guys yep. talk about it. Yeah. It's the, well, it's the Broadway videos, Latin. Yeah specific content yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> she does a bunch of characters like they're they're reviewing their calendar for the day and it's uh it's awesome yeah uh yeah we we love melissa we feel like she's being a little bit underutilized but when she does get a moment to shine yeah it's amazing to see i just wish snl was a better vehicle for that kind of comedy she's one of three um featured players not full cast members yet yeah. so she's her first year so right. hopefully she'll Get more opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. We're rooting for her. We're, we're hopeful that she's going to be around next season and can branch out a bit more. But Eric's right. Uh, the way she could contort her face and look like the person she's doing an impression of is it's almost as, uh, it's almost as uncanny as the voice itself that she's doing. It's, it's really impressive. Yep. I don't have any deep thoughts on this that we haven't already covered. I I think it really killed in the house when Jimmy Fallon was running back and forth. Cause obviously they're seeing the makeup change and they're getting the behind the scenes perspective. And you could tell that they were loving it as Keenan's like stalling for time to, you know, give Jimmy a chance to get back and forth. That seemed like it would have been a real riot to see in house, but otherwise there's not a whole lot that's really super memorable about this. So let's keep moving along. We get a pre-tape, a gaggle of middle school drama nerds perform legally blonde, the musical. What are your thoughts, Eric? I liked it. Uh, it started off. I was like, "What is going on?" And then it def- it paid off by the end. <laughs> uh, it was good. I liked it. I probably would have put the other pre tape sketch earlier, the one about uh, basketball. Right. I, I I like that one better. Okay. But yeah, I liked the sketch. It was it was good. It wasn't my wasn't my favorite one. But hey, they can't all be my favorites. And I thought all the performances were good. Yep. Yep. Now, Steve, you have a theater tech background. So I have a feeling this probably spoke to you. What, what are your, your deep insights on, on middle school musical? When you're at that age, it's hard to be good at anything because you don't have experience on your side and that can kind of romanticize what you're doing in your mind. And, uh, you may, uh, you may not notice every, every flaw, uh, once you're in the middle of it. So I think it really captures that, that middle school musical quality Yep, for sure. Yeah, they're all enthusiasm and they're talking each other up and they're all gung ho and they do not have the skills to know what to do the second they're yeah. actually on the stage. I thought it was fun. I thought that that uh, there there was truth there. I've been in that position of you assume that because you've seen a play that oh that's not that hard. You get out there and you you know you just give her and and it'll just be awesome. <laughs> and you don't realize that there's there's a craft to this that at that age there's just yeah there's no way there's no way they're going to be able to pull it off. <laughs> And they, of course, you know, took it to absurd heights. You've got the, they, they do the wire work, which, uh, you know, why, why any school administrator would let them bring wires into the mix. I don't know, but I, th- I thought it was fun. I thought it, 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 it had a few really charming moments. The audience for that sketch is performers. Yeah. And that's, that's why I was like, I wonder if people that, uh, that aren't performers get this. And I thought it was actually kind of poignant a little bit because, 
as a performer, sometimes what your outside isn't caught up to your inside yet. And <laughs> yeah. if you keep performing, you will become what you think you are on the inside right. one day. Yeah. They had a very similar sketch on the Lin-Manuel Miranda episode called Crucible Cast Party. Right. That was all, mm-hmm. all about, again, middle schoolers doing a play and then like riding high after the performance and just, you know, thinking they're all that. And it seems like that's very much an indulgence for the writers and maybe a, a host that, that can really kind of embrace that. Like Lin-Manuel Miranda would have been able to the people that would have kind of like made their bones and, and been in that nerve wracking situation where you're all nerves and you just can't pull it together in the moment. People who have experienced that, I think are going to connect with this a lot more than just maybe the casual SNL viewer. So it de- definitely not a sketch for every type of viewer, but performers I'm sure probably <laughs> probably came away with something. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on here. Let's talk about Doug. He channels Savage Gardens truly madly deeply in an attempt to win back Jen. We've got, you know, Beck and Cecily on a date. Jimmy Fallon bursts in to try and win her back. And there's a very poignant little turn at the end of it. I love that sketch. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it was so simple and perfect. And then it even went even more perfect with the little tag. It was almost like a blackout, a long blackout, a blackout meaning one joke and done. Yeah. There's a, a, a woman, all of a sudden she gets a knock at a door at the door and it's uh, Jimmy Fallon as Doug. And he serenades her with this song, brings his buddies in to back him up. <laughs> and she goes, so will you, he goes, will you take me back? And she says, no, you dragged a man off of United <laughs> flight today. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's it. And the audience went crazy. I'm like, oh, that's, they can end the sketch there, but they don't. Nope. They, she goes back and sits next to uh, her new flame. And uh, she says, oh, sorry about that. That'll never happen again. So wait, what do you do again? And he says, well, I just did this huge Pepsi commercial. So it combined yep. <laughs> both uh, like corporate gaffes that happened this week. Yes. I thought it was really, really clever and might not make sense in five years, but was great <laughs> for tonight. I just love how the Pepsi commercial director is now a recurring character yes. <laughs> of all people to come and go on this show. <laughs> Yeah, Beck manages to get two sketches out of that one little news blip. So yeah, good on him. Yeah, and it was it was a great final reveal. But here's the thing, like that sketch didn't have to go anywhere beyond just that weird voice that Jimmy Fallon was doing because right. in the past, SNL has hung up sketches on premises that thin before. And, you know, for it to go in the directions that it did was was definitely just gravy on top of it. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to be as smart as it was. Just having Jimmy Fallon come out with his his backup and do the worst rendition of that song would have been enough reason for her to reject him. And that would have been funny and satisfying and it would have been just, you know, a forgettable little sketch. But the way that they turn it at the end there and and bring in both of those news items to such perfect effect, that makes this one great, in my opinion. I think that this, it really shone just because of those two little moments that you couldn't have seen coming. So yeah, that was a win for me. Now. Melissa McCarthy is back as spicy. This time, it's a special message from the White House Easter Bunny. Yeah. Well, as a Jew, uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 I love her as spicy. And, I, man, every time I see the real spicy on TV, I, mean, I, feel, I feel his anger. Mm-hmm. He's so angry. <laughs> and I think Melissa does a really good job of showing that anger. And I love that he probably hates being portrayed by a woman. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. I just like watching her. She's always, she's always funny in that role. I think it's funny. 
no pun intended, but there's a little bit of an Easter egg uh, in this uh, in this sketch. I don't know if you guys know, but Sean Spicer actually did dress up as the Easter right. Bunny at the White House a, a few years ago. Yeah, it's 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 definitely topical. I don't know if it was the best outing just because it was a little quicker. I I think they're starting to run dry on fun ways to freshen up the character, right? What we've seen in this outing is very similar to what we saw last outing, but it's always satisfying because Melissa McCarthy's impression is so strong. Well, if that's true, if they are running out of steam, which I I, mean, I think they're full of great ideas over there, but if that's true, that might be okay because who knows how long he'll have the job, you know? Yeah, who knows? He may go the way of Steve Bannon. Now, Harry Styles performs Signs of the Times and Ever Since New York. What's our our thoughts on Harry Styles, the solo performer's first run at SNL? Well, this is the first time that most people have heard his voice mm-hmm. because One Direction, you can't hear his voice necessarily. You think of it as One Direction. And I feel like a lot of people have been, you know, maybe ashamed to want to listen to One Direction because they're such a boy band and they have screaming fans and uh, people might over that age group might be uh, embarrassed to want to get to expose themselves to that. But we also have to remember the Beatles were a boy band at one point. (laughs) Yes. So this guy, I felt from the first note of him singing proved he is a star on his own. His voice is great. His voice reminded me of, I think it's a, I was like trying to place it. But I thought it was like Kings of Leon or something. The yeah. singer from King. I was like, wow, his voice is like really strong. And he's a really good performer. He's got that cool. He looks like a young, skinny Robert Palmer <laughs> from Addicted to Love. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw that. I saw it. I don't know why. But with better hair. Okay. It is a lot of people's first exposure to him. And he did a great job, I feel. Yep. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Steve? Well, I want to talk about the first one. Specifically, uh, Sign of the Times, it was called, I think. It reminded me of like an old school rock ballad, mm-hmm. like Bon Jovi and Guns yeah. N' Roses used to do. It, it was really impressive to see Harry, you know, carry a tune like this. And, and he has so many uh, different things he can do with his voice, you know, going into falsetto. And his range is, is pretty impressive. Yep. And it was nice seeing what he's actually capable of. True. Yeah. When you say that, when you said the old 80s, I got that feeling too. And you know what it reminded me of was Faithfully by Journey. Mm-hmm. And Journey and Kings of Leon is what I heard. What I heard. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's astute. I wasn't expecting that I was going to enjoy this performance as much as I did. When, uh, kind of like what you said, Eric, when someone is trying to emerge from the baggage of being in a boy band people are instantly going to be a little turned off if they, if they think they they're one of those like music snobs that their, their music's important and it's all about credibility. Someone in a boy band isn't going to have that in your eyes. So this is the time where he has to differentiate himself and he needs to kind of reimagine himself and he really needs to come out swinging to, to win over the people that would write him off. And I don't know how he could have done better with it. Yeah. If, if that's really what the goal of this was, was I need to find my voice. I need to find the genres that uh, I'm passionate about rather than just what, you know, the producers <laughs> are feeding me and the guys in one direction. Like if this is him trying to really declare his presence, uh, I think he did masterfully. I thought it was really, really fun and engaging and I, I enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, ask yourself this, how do you think the guys in one direction felt about being in one direction? You know, right. these guys were put put in this band. They're all, I'm sure when they started their careers, they're like, I'm a singer. They, <laughs> they ever say, I want to be in a boy band. No, they all want to have singing careers where they're the star of the show. And they 
had to put up with being in a boy band. Yeah. They had to put up with it more than we had to put up with yeah. One Direction. <laughs> that's that's true. They had to live it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like the boy band is where you're paying your dues. Yeah. You, you have to slog through that for the shot at maybe emerging as a solo act. And I think he's going to cross over. You know, Timberlake was able to do it and he's got cred now as kind of like even a triple threat. And it looks like Harry Styles is gunning for that same kind of status. And uh, I, I think he might, might, might actually do it. So I, I was impressed. The similarities are really piling up. Yeah. Between him and Timberlake. Mm-hmm. Hi guys. I wanted to step out of the show for a moment to talk a little bit about some improvements we're making to the podcast. Over the past six months, I've been gathering feedback from our listeners regarding ways that we can make the podcast better. And by far, your number one request is for us to release new episodes on Sunday nights immediately after SNL airs, since many of our listeners find the podcast more enjoyable when SNL is still fresh in their minds. While we're thrilled that so many of our listeners can't wait to hear our latest episode, that is a little bit tricky for us to pull off, because we record the podcast Sunday afternoon, and then I spend upwards of 20 hours throughout the following week editing and mixing the final cast. There's simply no way for me to finish the podcast on Sunday night without significantly lowering the quality of the show, and I'm just not willing to do that. However, from here on out, I am going to be releasing a special ad-free rough cut version of each new episode on Sunday nights exclusively for our Patreon patrons. These pre-release episodes will also include roughly 20 extra minutes of discussion that doesn't make it into the final cast. You'll hear additional SNL news and feedback topics, as well as the more controversial and uninformed opinions that get chopped out of the final cast to make us sound way smarter than we actually are. In addition to these pre-release podcasts, our patrons can also access other premium content and exclusive member rewards. You can become a patron for as little as a dollar per month, and there's no ongoing commitment of any kind. If you'd like to become a patron or learn more about any of our exclusive member rewards, go to patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash SNL podcast. All right, back to the show. Weekend update. We get our typical political run. Do either of you guys have any like highlights from the first run of, of Jost and Che this week that you thought was worth mentioning? I like the joke about um, Michael Che's joke about like the bees escaping, yes. but also their bees. They just flew away. Just hear me yeah. out. Just hear me out. Here we <laughs> <me> out. <laughs> yeah. I like that joke. Yeah, no, that was good. Now, Vanessa is back as Jacob the Bar Mitzvah boy. This time she's talking about Passover. I like the character. Uh, the joke is that that she never goes off script. Right. And even when Michael Che is trying to interact with her and talk to her as a person, she won't go off script. But um, yeah, I, I, I felt like it didn't, the joke didn't build. It didn't, you know, it was, it was over after the first one. Yeah. The, the, the gag is really just in the character. You're either charmed by it or you're not because it is what a lot of people refer to as kind of a paint by numbers, Mad Libs kind of weekend update feature where you know exactly what you're getting the second she shows up. Yeah. Just wanted to point out that Jacob has been around so long that uh, he's been the counterpart to three different weekend update anchors now. Seth originally, Mm -hmm. then Cecily for the year that she was on weekend update. Now Michael Che is the one to talk to him when he Mm -hmm. comes on. It's only just now I find that they've actually tweaked it to really play it into the sensibilities of whatever host is not Seth. Sure. So you can see a, a change in some of the beats in this outing and it's, it seems more tailored to Michael Che uh, than it has been before. Cause I felt like he was just kind of parroting what Seth used to do. Yeah. There's, there's new, uh, 
there's new angles at this, like the way that Jacob actually interrupts Che. That's not something that um, <laughs> has been done before. So it's, you know, it's still the same paint by numbers thing, like, like you put it, John, but it's, uh, yeah, it was, it, I, it was, I, I did notice an update to it. No pun intended. No, that's fair. I don't know if that is as much to do with them consciously trying to change up the premise or write it any different. It might just have to do with Che being more comfortable as the counterpoint. Hmm. That's that's my thought, but let's not dwell on it because we've seen Jacob a lot and <laughs> there's just nowhere else to go uh, as far as dissecting it. Bruce Chandling is back. Uh, this time he's talking about spring. Eric, you are a professional comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Did this resonate with you? Uh, well, did this resonate? So Bruce Chandler is the New York City veteran comedian who all of his jokes are very low-hanging fruit, mm-hmm. talks about poop, and uh, <laughs> then eventually gets depressed. I'd never seen this character before. Oh, okay. And I thought felt like it, it took a little long to get to the payoff, but once it got there, it was too late. Once it got to the payoff... The people wanted to laugh at it. They loved. They 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 felt for the character. They they wanted to um to support it. But it just. It, I think they need to just cut out the fat on that bit. And I think it would be really funny. Okay, so you thought it, it ran out of a little bit of steam there by the end. And I just feel like they need to restructure it a little bit. I feel like it's a good bit. The bit is that uh, he's this like hokey comedian, but it's really just a cover for his depression inside. Yeah. So they need to do that, like maybe right out the right out the gate instead of giving him like, you know, a minute to do these stupid jokes. And people are like, okay, so what's the point? He's doing dumb jokes. Is that the joke? And then it's just confusing when the joke is really that he's just sad and lonely and sure. never gets kissed. <laughs> I think they need to tie that to every bad joke. So instead of going like a, 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 B, 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 they need to go a, B, a, B. Does that make sense? <laughs> You, okay. You, you wanted, you wanted to see a little bit more of the, the payoff of the character kind of yeah. uh, deteriorating on stage. You want to see that come into the, the mix a little bit earlier in the sketch. Yeah. Okay. They're doing all the setup in the beginning and then they're going to all the punchlines, which is the depression sure. at the end. And then they bring it back a little bit of the setup and then more punchline and then that was over. Okay. So they just need to do it a little bit quicker. Now, Bruce Chandling has shown up at the Weekend Update desk a few times over the last few years, and there have been other outings that I think maybe held together a little bit better than this one. I don't, I don't think this was the strongest version of Bruce Chandling. Okay. If you ever get a chance to go back and see some of the other ones, you might find that when they're not digging deep for new material for him, that maybe it's able to keep your attention and, and keep you engaged up to the point where it pays off and he starts to kind of like turn and, and get remorseful. There have been better versions of this. So maybe you just need to have seen one of the, the better outings of Bruce Chandling to get the character. Uh, Steve, any thoughts? I know that you really like Bruce Chandling or you like the, the concept of Bruce Chandling. Did this one hold up? You know, it wasn't a complete clunker, but comparing it to past renditions of the character, you know, it's um, probably down there as one of the lower lower ones. So mm-hmm. it didn't achieve as much as it could have, but yeah, I always love seeing Bruce channeling. Uh, it was pretty much the first thing Kyle ever did on the show was this character. Right. And I, I'm just always so impressed by how he can take a character that is inherently unfunny and get laughs, <laughs> you know, the way that you recognize the timing that he's saying a punchline and, and obviously it's not funny at all, but what we're laughing at is his anticipation of laughs that aren't going to come. Right. I just think it's brilliant. And the way that you can go out there 
and, and take that risk shows the uh, shows a testament of a very seasoned performer. Yeah, it's meant to be uncomfortable, and that's a tough line to walk because you can lose the audience, and they can just get genuinely uncomfortable rather than entertained uncomfortable. Yeah, and uh, I I don't know if he walked that line as well with this one. It's it's interesting. I want to go back and watch the uh, the ones that uh, that made it a hit. You know. Well, I don't know if Bruce Channeling's ever been a hit. It's always been very polarizing because there's just as many people that check out because it's so kind of cringy. There's a lot of people that just don't connect with that. It, it's challenging comedy, but when he, when the character, when the material that the character is talking about is really, really good or, or really, really bad, I should say when it's exceptionally bad material, then the, the piece seems to be a little more elevated. So there have been some good outings that I felt really worked. I don't think this was one of them. I think this was, I think they're starting to run out of fresh uh, takes for Bruce Chandling to to come to the show with. Sure. Back half of the show, old New York lifts the spirits of a union army camp. So the basic setup here is you've got the union army in the middle of the civil war morale is low. And so they decide to break out in song to try and <laughs> try and boost morale. And one enterprising young soldier adds a bit of flair <laughs> to the musical performance. Yeah. So they updated the old timey, uh, Civil War chant song to a pop song, right? With a hook. Yes, it was the first, the first, the the nation's first big ass hook. <laughs> and Jimmy Fallon is the guy who uh, who who drops it in there uh, with some help from the prisoner Harry Styles. I thought it was a perfect sketch for Jimmy Fallon because that's totally his wheelhouse. It was really a funny, funny way to get into this uh, into that hook thing. It was really funny. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. What do you think, Steve? I thought it was great. It was a very accurate uh, modern pop song and how they sound <laughs> yes. these days. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with the uh, the millennial woe they're calling it? Oh, just the the millennial woe. Oh, the millennial oh, woe. Oh, yeah. Oh. That slide from the fifth to the yeah. third is yeah. used in every second pop song <laughs> I hear now. The song kind of reminded me of "Let's Go Crazy, Crazy, Crazy yeah. Till We Hit the Sun." Yeah, exactly. I actually looked up this song. I Googled party at my parents' house to see if it was a real song. Cause it sounds <laughs> yeah. so much like something you'd actually hear on the radio. It was like, mm-hmm. this has gotta be some new Rebecca black single or something, but no, nope. it was, a, it was an original bit for the sketch, but you're right that it channels the overused hook that you will hear laden throughout modern pop music. Yeah. And I think that's why it, it, it worked as well as it did as a sketch. Yeah. I'm sure they said, hey, we have One Direction member Harry Styles on. What's like <laughs> something we could do that sounds like a One Direction song? That's probably where it started. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, was this a win? Yes. Yeah. Steve? Overall. Yeah. For okay. sure. All right. Moving on. We get a pre-tape. Turtle shirt by swag. If you're ever in an uncomfortable situation that you wish you could just check out of, just retreat directly into your shirt. Just recoil all your <laughs> limbs and your head and just disappear as a turtle might in his shell. We've probably all been there and wish we had a magic shirt to help us disconnect from some awkward situation. Was this fun? Was this smart? You know, this one I think is a classic. Okay. It takes a feeling that people feel all the time of like wishing they could hide in a public situation where they'd embarrass <laughs> themselves. Yeah. And it's like the solution. What if you had a shirt that was like a turtle shell that's made of, they even say like it's made of turtle scutes or you know, they take, <laughs> yeah. they, they research what a turtle shell is made out of. And like our shirt is made out of the same thing turtle shells is made out of. And I thought, the um, presentation of how they did it was really good. It looks like people's heads are, are uh, retreating in. 
this feels very much like an SNL type of commercial parody. Yeah. They find some, some very basic truth that's accessible to pretty much everyone. And they just have some fun with it. Like you said, everyone can kind of connect with it. We've all been there. And yes, that would be a fantastic <laughs> little tool that we, to have at your disposal. Uh, Steve, did you have any deep insights on this? Was this fun for you? It was a lot of fun. I just love how completely impossible a product <laughs> like this would be. Like it, it just doesn't work in, in real life. Like you can't literally retract your head back into your clothing while it maintains a shirt torso <laughs> shape. Like it's, it's just so absurd. And, and, and they, they riff on that absurdity and take it to another level when we actually see his arms and legs coming into the shirt. Like it just doesn't make any sense in the real physical world, which is my favorite part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously there's a lot of special effects at play that help elevate the joke. <laughs> yeah. I questioned some of the choices, like the song choice, I didn't know why they settled on Turn Down for What. I know why. It's because if you watch the video for Turn Down for What, every time they hit that chorus, Turn Down for What, like something huge happens in the, in the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they like bust through a wall or, you know, somebody gets punched in the face or whatever it is. Yeah. Or the lady's boobs attack herself. Yeah. 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 It's like the, there's a silence and then Turn Down for What. So it kind of like rhythmically or like, it, the feeling of like, oh, yeah, turn down for what? And you're also turning down into your shirt, I guess you could say. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like a musical punch. It's like that moment yeah. where they really want to sting something. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Sully and Denise. Rachel Dratch's batch. <laughs> Rachel. Okay, Rachel sure. back is Dratch. <laughs> Welcome back. All right. I'm, no, I'm not, keep it. Don't not, cut I'm out not, of that. I'm not going to redo it. I'm going to leave that in, in the in the edit. Uh, okay, so Rachel Dratch is back and uh, they're reprising this classic bit from SNL this time they have a daughter they're touring Harvard and it's all the same jokes. You know, he's a Boston brawler. They've got the heavy accents. We know what, what to expect when Sully and Denise show up. Is this the vintage character that we wanted to see Jimmy reprise tonight? Like, was this satisfying as a throwback to Jimmy's heyday or was there something else that would have fit better? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I remember him doing this on the, on the show. I love that accent because I love to do accents and that's one of the, that's a hard one for me is uh, Boston for some reason because mm-hmm. I mix it up all the time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like maybe people in New England or people in the East Coast might respond to it differently than a West Coaster like myself. Okay. But yeah, I thought it was funny and I thought it was, um, I thought it was cool how they did the little uh, production of it where it, it looks like it's a, uh, you're taking a video on your iPhone. I right. thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was an update from the uh, camcorder yeah. graphic. I was actually watching it on my phone, and I was like, "Wait, am I how how am I how am I recording this right now?" <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts, Steve? Did you want to see Sully and Denise tonight? Yeah, and it was you know appropriately updated. You know, it was all done on a probably a high eight video camera. Um, so that's all, all been updated for present day. You know, they've grown up; they have their own kid now, but they've. You know, they haven't grown up mentally. They're still regressed as these uh, <laughs> teenagers, uh, which is funny because the daughter is, you know, so much wiser beyond them. So, uh, yeah, it was it was interesting to, like, catch up on what they're doing, even though not much has changed for them. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much if they hadn't expanded their story and got into the daughter. Right. If this was just another outing of them in their basement or them in their hometown or whatever, then. I didn't need to see it, but because they kind of like furthered the saga of Sully and Denise and 
and um, showed that, you know, their kid is not quite in lockstep with, with their values. I, th- I thought that was a fun take on it. And I thought Kate brought a lot to help freshen it up. So I thought it was just fresh enough and fun enough to hold together. And it's nice that they brought back Rachel Dratch. So yeah, it was a, it was a win for me. And I guess you have to have one obligatory, like throwback sketch when you have a, an alum host. So I thought this was serviceable. Perfectly good. Dratch is batch. Yes. Dratch is batch. Okay, let's take a look at our 10 to 1 sketch. We get two extras on a movie set that completely derail the production because of their lack of basketball ability. I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was a, a good sketch. And it's like, I'm sure, you know, film production people do this all the time. I was just do, on, a, doing a set, on a set last night where we had background people. And, you know, I was surprised how most people just get it. You know, they get what they're supposed to do. And, and, uh, but some people don't, you know, some people don't like, for example, I've been on sets before where they, <laughs> the background people know they have more talent than just sitting there and, and, <laughs> and drinking a cup of coffee. They're like, I'm going to drink it so good. I'm going to, I'm going to get <laughs> discovered. And that's what this is all about. I think yeah. if you're from being from LA doing this for a living, it really like that kind of thing really speaks to you. And that I did though, think, you know, what does middle America think of this sketch? They they may not experience stuff like this. Sure. And I, you know what I really loved about it? I got to see Pete Davidson and, um, and uh, Keenan Thompson doing serious acting. And I'm like, they're good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Keenan's really good. He had some subtlety there. Like there's one shot kind of in frame, like in the movie version of the piece where you see, he gives just like a very quick little glance and almost like a half smirk to the background extras when they're playing really bad basketball. Like, wait a minute. I, I know basketball. I know bad basketball when I see it. And I know that this is ridiculous and isn't going to play as part of the movie, but I'm also an actor in the scene. So I can't give it away. He had just a subtle little look that told so much of the story, right? Like without any dialogue. And, uh, it's surprising to see that level of craft on SNL. Cause you, you think of them just as kind of like sketch performers. Like it's, it's all about over the top performance. It's not about subtlety or nuance, but no him. And I'd say Bobby, and Vanessa, even to a, a, a large degree, can really dig deep when they have to. It's interesting when they throw in a pre-tape for their 10 to 1. Yeah. I don't know what got cut or if, if that was always the intention, but it, it, was, a, it was a good sketch to, to finish the night off. You know, these, these guys were so inept at basketball. It was like, have you ever even picked up a basketball before? <laughs> it was that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I guess that's kind of a, uh, a truth about a lot of actors trying to make it in Hollywood is that they kind of embellish on their resume. Sure. Uh, just to add more value to what they can bring and hopefully get hired out of it. Right. I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yep. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I think they kind of gave it away when, when the director asked, you know, you guys said you had experience. Then one of them's like, yeah, I took a, an athletic performance thing at Juilliard. I think what they're really saying here is these guys have all the book learning and in-class learning that you could hope for, but it doesn't translate to crap on screen because <laughs> they've never actually played a game of basketball in their life. I think that's kind of the, you know, the disconnect there. I thought it was fun. It was sufficiently quick to not kind of start to peter out. I, I did think that they the editing helped this a lot because there's only so far you can take the joke. Um, I thought it was a win. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. So that's our episode rundown. Let's talk a little bit about our moment of the night. What took it for you, Eric? This is just basically one little moment or nugget, not like an overall sketch or anything, just something from the show that just really made you perk up. And you said, that's a special moment. I really liked 
Jimmy Fallon playing both John Travolta's from the 70s and current day. Yep. It was such a cool presentation thing. I loved it. It is. It is. And whenever there's the the technical like stage stuff happening behind the scenes and you know that there's more going on that's really getting the house riled up, uh, that makes it even more fun. Or at least that's that's what I enjoyed about that. But yeah, that was a fun moment. What took it for you, Steve? In that 10 to 1 sketch when um, when he kicks the ball and it goes in. <laughs> yeah. And for a moment, everybody forgets how frustrated they are with the whole scenario and just congratulate them on making the shot. Yep. But of course, it, reminding them, yeah, you're, you're still fired, but that was cool. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good moment. I'm giving it to the, um, the fat hook dropping for the first time in the old New York bit. I think that that was a lot of fun and uh, it just, it really worked. I thought that whole sketch worked really well. Best overall sketch, Eric. What, what was the, the shining piece of the night? I'm going to say turtle shirt. Okay. <laughs> I really like that. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to that. That's that one was very relatable for a wide audience because yep. everyone gets embarrassed and we all need a turtle shirt once in a while. Sure. Steve, what, what took it for you? I'd say, uh, Doug, the, uh, the cop on the United airlines flight <laughs> trying to get his girlfriend back. That was a great sketch. And, uh, yeah, a lot of the jokes just came out of left field, so it was a it was a happy little surprise in the show. Yeah, it's nice when you don't see it coming. Very satisfying. I'm giving it to the middle school performance of Legally Blonde. Uh, I thought that there was just a lot of truth on display of kids that have high hopes for their performance ability and just no skill to back it up. I thought that they they really mined that and found a lot of good gags and uh i thought it was fun i think it's for a very specific type of audience but if you appreciate the joke i think it was very satisfying so i think that was that was a well-produced little piece now mvp i'm gonna give it to harry styles how about that yeah i'm gonna say harry styles only because i think he gained the most out of the night Mm -hmm. jimmy fallon we see him get don't get me wrong i love jimmy fallon and i love that he's doing the tonight show that we get to watch his sketches every day. And, you know, I, I, I love that, but I feel like it was really a birth of a new career for Harry Styles. So I feel that, uh, he'd be the MVP of the night, even though, you know, he may not have been the number one contributor to the night. I don't know. I don't know who that was. Cause I, I wasn't part of the production, but I feel like the person who's going to get the most mileage out of last night's show is him. Sure. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. This was a, an important moment that he didn't waste, right? He took his shot. Like, here I am America. Here's the new version of me. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it seemed like he really, it it was a smart move and the, the music held up, right? If the, if the song sucked, then it doesn't matter, you know, what his intentions are. It was good music and he's a good performer and he really showed that there's, uh, he's worth a second look. So yeah, I can, I can get behind that. What about you, Steve? What do you think? I'm leading towards Vanessa because she had a lot of good bits. She Mm -hmm. did really well with Jacob and, uh, I liked a lot of the commentary she was throwing in during the, uh, the legally blonde sketch. <laughs> yep. I'm giving it to Cecily for Liza Minnelli. I think that that was really spot on. I, I think we see a lot more of her on the show than we realize sometimes because sometimes she's utility or sometimes she's not the star of a sketch. Uh, sometimes she plays second fiddle to Kate, but I think we forget how good she is. And sometimes she breaks out a new character and it's just, it's all there. It's complete. This is the first time we saw Liza Minnelli, but it was pretty stunning for her first outing with it. And she's also, you know, the love interest in the, uh, whatever the, the sketch where the, where Jimmy comes in and does truly madly deeply. So there's, you know, she was there, she was, she was doing good support and she had a really good moment. So I think, I think that's worth a nod. This is pretty interesting to do this with you guys because 
it, it's interesting to get you, your how you saw the show versus how I saw the show. And then sometimes I'm listening to your your responses and I'm like, oh yeah, I think that too. <laughs> you know, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah, we change each other's opinions all the time. Yeah. Basically, I'm saying take back everything I said in the last <laughs> hour and a half. <laughs> the the nice thing about any kind of performance is it's it really just comes down to how it moves you and it's so subjective and it so much has to do with your own perspective and your own experiences what you impose on it SNL's no different and and Steve and I bat things around and we have completely different takes on it this is why we've been trying to bring in fresh voices and and get a new perspective because we don't want to just give people our same kind of worldview and our own take on on SNL week over week we want to, like you said, you know, we, we want to hear something fresh that could only come from someone who sees the world a little different or just had their own experiences. And that's infused into their, their takeaway on SNL. And that's, that's why we want to have you and have a lot of voices in, in on the show. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. Last question on a scale of classic, great, typical week or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? Okay. Eric moment of truth. Gun to your head. Oh, man. Well, hey, Lauren, <laughs> if you're listening, I think you are a legend. I think the show is legendary. So just don't uh, be mad that I'm going to say that it was only uh, between typical and great. Okay. It's only great. I thought it was, I, it was closer to great. It's only great, <laughs> Lauren, if you're listening. It's only great. So just for the record, mm-hmm. which side are you falling on, great or typical? I'm going to say it was great. Okay. It was great. Uh, I don't think that's an insulting review at all. I mean, that's that's pretty decent. I think Lauren will forgive. <laughs> but it's because of the amount of respect I have for the show and for everyone involved with it. Okay, it's just uh, it's it, it at its at its base, it's always going to be great, just because of the history of it. Okay, so that's it. That's interesting. I want to mm-hmm. I want to dig into that just a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So, are you just saying SNL in general as a comedy institution is great, or are you saying that this hour and a half of television, just as its own standalone piece, was great television? Wow, I don't know because I just came up with it right now. Um, but it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's for the record. There, there's serious things hanging in the balance if you get this wrong. Maybe so. I'm saying both and neither. Uh, I think I'm saying that we should be grateful for SNL. I think that's what I'm saying. That is such a cop out. Gets a grateful rating. It's great. It's grateful. I'm going to get a good grateful. Yeah, I, I like that. I'm getting grateful that we have something like this that can. I, you know what? And I will say this in the last few years, I think the show has gotten better. Everyone always sure. says, oh, it was better when blank when right. they were probably between 18 and 21. Right. That's probably when it was the best. Everyone said, oh, the original cast. Oh, the oh, the the cast right after. The, it depends when you kind of came up li- watching SNL. Sure. So I do notice, though, that is undeniably gotten better in the last few years. Okay. No, I agree with you. I, th- I think the show's been on uptick for a couple seasons. But this but this this episode, I mean, I would say it's great. Okay. It was a great episode. Fair enough. Okay. So that's going to be the definitive answer right there. Okay. Steve, oh, what's your what's your takeaway? I'm going to give it a typical. Okay. I'm not sorry to Lauren because I know he doesn't care what I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there wasn't anything that, you know, really stood out as a great moment of the season. Uh, you know, we had Spicer, but it wasn't the best Spicer. We've had a lot of things that, you know, are very characteristic of season 42 specifically, mm-hmm. but it definitely wasn't the best version of those elements. Yep. Wow. Harsh. <laughs> no, uh, I came into it thinking I was going to give it a great and 
as so often happens, I think you may have actually talked me down to a typical. Who, me? No, 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 Steve. I like, if anything, <laughs> you were advocating for the show being maybe great just because. Yeah. I could have made you sick on great. And you're like, I'm going to go typical. (laughs) This guy's gushing so hard. I can't give it that much. I I don't know if I'm just saying that because I've been handing out classics like they're going out of style. So I want to make sure that I'm being more measured. Um, I'm going to stick with typical. I was right on the verge of saying great, but no, I'm going typical. I'm going to rein it back in and try and be more measured in my, my critiques. So any other like final thoughts on the show? What's, what's the final word on this, Eric? I'm I'm just, I just have a feeling of like, fine guys, just wait, (laughs) wait till I tell Lauren. It's not my fault. <laughs> well, uh, let, let us know what he has to say, because if he actually has any idea who we are, then that'll make our day, regardless of whether <laughs> he loathes us or not. <laughs> okay. Uh, Steve, any like deep, insightful closing remarks? Have I ever had any? <laughs> not so far, but I always want to give you the opportunity. I'll, I'll let you know what I have. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a cast. Thanks to my guest, Eric Schwartz. You can connect with Eric at ericschwartzlive.com. And thanks also to Steve Finn. You can connect with Steve on Facebook at TransparencyCHMR. If you'd like to support our podcast, please consider using and bookmarking our Amazon and other affiliate links found at snlafterparty.fm. It costs you absolutely nothing to use our affiliate links when shopping online, but it really helps us in covering our costs and is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in three weeks when SNL returns with host Chris Pine and musical guest LCD Sound System. This has been episode number 20 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. My thanks to Harry Styles. What do you say, Jen? I know I made one of the biggest mistakes a person can make, but I'm sorry. And I'm asking you to take me back. Forever. <laughs> what do you say? No, Doug! You dragged a man off a plane this week! Right, 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 right. All right, all right, it's okay! Hey, that's, what you, that's what you did? about him that's okay don't worry about it anyway back to us tell me more about you what do you do Uh, well i just directed this huge pepsi commercial no